This is my year of not sucking or fucking. Prayer warriors pay pigs and my fellow Americans. Let me be clear. Yeah, I've been fucking in morning. I'm very tired of the audacity of these broads. I actually give Bill Clinton enormous credit. I think it's easy to be cynical. But I hope for a future of no more feminism. A future of blatant sexism. And together we can abolish monogamy for the sake of the economy. I think the American people are hungry. This is a certified big soy naturals classic. Hello, pay pigs, and in the future, hello, prayer warriors. Welcome to Big Soy Naturals. Cerise, as we get closer to Web 3.0, I want to ask you a question. And that is, what crimes do you want to commit in the metaverse? Oh, damn. Okay. Mm. Um, are you familiar with the events that took place in the United States on January 6, 2021? Mm, the largest gathering of uh, outdoor pool installers, uh, above ground above pool ground installers. Above ground pool owners. Yeah. Oh, owners, not just mm-hmm. installers. Yeah. Yeah, they probably I am, installed I am aware. it themselves to save a little bit of money. You know, they had to mm, take true. out some some money from their four hundred one k for that. It's a it's a splurge. <laughs> They've got the money for yeah. it, mm-hmm. but you know that's that that upper middle class, but paycheck to paycheck lifestyle because you don't know mm-hmm. how to how to budget the um, flex. Yeah, so I think that I would like to lead something like that on the metaverse version of the capital, but I think Ooh, with fun. cooler people with uh, different beliefs. Um, but I, I think that, you know, in a way that is totally joking and not serious and is like mm, um, sarcastic, um, the problem with everything that went down on January 6th was that the, the wrong people were doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that in the metaverse, I've got really, I've got like a lot of opportunities to rewrite history. Like um, I could shoot JFK in the metaverse if I wanted to. That's true. I That's could, true. I could t- like, cause there's probably a metaverse JFK. I could travel back in time um i think yeah i I think like what i would probably be doing in the metaverse is like toppling world leaders um, oh yeah and like deposing governments um which i think i would have the power um and and the knowledge to do because i have a lot of experience from as you know my neopets days um where i conducted large raids on harry potter guilds with uh like my amassed um like not just my own lord of the rings role play guild but i sort of formed like this this large collaboration sort of like the bolsheviks of different uh lord of the rings themed guilds on neopets and then we would launch a coordinated attack on Mm. the harry potter guild so i have a lot of experience classic griefing yeah just like leading revolutions Mm -hmm. um on the web and i think that i could easily transfer those skills over to instead of attacking harry potter fans 
um, attacking our, uh, you know, liberal world yeah. leaders, which is basically actually the s- same thing. Uh. <laughs> See, I assume that, like, with the metaverse, there's going to be a lot of, like, space-themed, like, aspects, a lot of space quests, a lot of, you know, space worlds, um, because of, like, every billionaire's little obsession um, with space. They love just, like, sitting on their hands and scooting back and forth and thinking about, you know, flying in a rocket ship. And I would well, just they're really love mad to, like... they didn't get to be cowboys. They really yeah. wanted to, to do yeah. like Wild West stuff, but it's too late mm-hmm. um, for that. So they, they've got to be cowboys on Mars. But it's not going to yeah. be the same because like being a cowboy in the United States um, or Mexico, that's like kind of, it's like rugged, it's cool, mm-hmm. it's dangerous. Like there's scary animals out there. Um, I've seen pictures of Mars. They don't even have water, really, for you to trip and fall in. It's dust. There's, yeah, barely a puddle to stand in your way. I'm not going to be impressed when someone colonizes Mars. I was not impressed when someone colonized the United States either, but I will admit that they put themselves in some danger trying to do that. There's no danger involved um, in being a little, like, frontier man uh, on the moon. The moon yeah. is a rock. Well, that's why that's why I think my first thing to do as metaverse uh, in the metaverse would be to like suck all the air out of the room of of this fantasy of like being a space cowboy or a space pirate and just start blowing up those planets um, within the metaverse. Of course, just like getting Ooh. rid of them, you know, because then that's like good sucks all the air out of the room. You know, now they can't ha- they have no planets, no planets to conquer, nothing. True, there's just nothing out there anymore. It's perfect. You know, because where are they going to go? Jupiter? Really? Yes. (laughs) What I would love to do in the metaverse is like in real life, teach those sharks to also do a coordinated attack. You know, the sharks that eat the cables that that make the internet and just Mm -hmm. sort of shut, shut the whole thing down. But I think first I would, I would like set up the metaverse so that it's the only time that these sad little, um, you know, board ape losers feel joy and it's the only time that they like feel alive. And then when we've reached that point where they're like, wow, the metaverse has really answered all of all of the questions that I ever had about like, how can I enjoy my time on this earth? Like, that's when I would teach the little the sharks to to just snap the cables off. I, Mm -hmm. I saw this super funny thing on I hate to be a guy that like brings up Twitter stuff because I think it's really <laughs> annoying when people do that because like it's like get get off get off the internet like log off I don't know well it's just men, it's just like when, when the internet you know people like That's... days after something happens on Twitter like bring up like niche like Twitter beef it's it's actually just sad but mm-hmm. um I saw something that I thought was really funny on there where this um he's got a bored ape NFT profile picture <laughs> <laughs> and he said nft people and he means this in a bragging way mm-hmm. have completely flipped nyc li- nightlife tens <laughs> getting sent to the back of the line while jonathan gets vip access for minting a cyber duck seven months ago this is the future internet nerds have always dreamed about for millennia um Anyway, like, and then someone was like, yeah, I totally watched five hotties get bounced from this after party while the crypto bros float in. And I found it very funny because it's like, you're, you're, you know, bragging about access 
to these parties, but what makes the parties that you want to go to cool? Cause it's not you. And it's now so because you're flooding too. it with your little NFT people, the cool people are getting bounced. They're going to go make their own thing. And then you're going to have to clamor for access to that. And I just also think it's super funny that like tech money flipped nightlife before you and I were even born. Yeah, like when 1.0. The dot com boom was like the, like if you, there's a documentary, <laughs> there's a documentary from like, uh, like 2009 um, called We Live in Public, which is about the, uh, the internet entrepreneur Josh Harris, who kind of came up with like live streaming before live streaming was like a thing um in like 1999 and then he created a bunch of like crazy art projects around that and he was like a huge nightlife guy like a big guy in like the nightlife scene and he was in like tech and he was this huge like dorky looking bill gates looking motherfucker like that's the thing is that these people have been around for forever they were always like popping bottles of champagne in the clubs like there's pictures of like people like uh tom from myspace hanging out with like 50 cent like that <laughs> like this yeah. has been around for a while like, it's not new that guys who wear, like, Patagonia vests have been hanging out with, like, cool people in clubs. Right. They're and rich. I don't like- know, like, the idea that, like, internet nerds, like, never had anything until this most recent, like, NFT era is so funny. Like, a cocktail in, like, New York is like $26. Like, who do you think is buying that? It's like, who do you mm-hmm. think is buying the drinks in San Francisco? It's it's not like regular people. It's like losers mm. who don't know how to dress that make 160 k And then they're bragging about going to the club and like being first in line and the hot people getting thrown out because they're like, haha, got you. But why did you want to go there? It's because the hot the hot people made it a cool place to to hang out. So now that you have overrun, yeah, you've overrun this club with like people that wear oversized jeans, but like not in an intentional way, but in like a mm-hmm. they don't know what size jeans they wear. And um, you know, bad Nikes, like yeah, and and, and you're like probably standing around awkwardly with a bunch of people that look just like you, going, hmm. Where'd, oh, where'd the hotties oh, go? Where'd the hotties go? Oh, God. Oh, I'm just a nerd. Like, shut up. Yeah. Now they're, now they're at someone's house party. See, they're the just, they're just like at a bar. You ruined it. You know, once again, getting back to like what we were talking about and the crimes we were committing in the metaverse, the problem with these nerds is that they have no imagination. Like, I want a, like, if you're going to be like, like you know an evil villain like do something fun blow up planets create a base on a volcano uh train well, don't sharks give them ideas don't give them ideas things. well i know these are my these, these are patented you know elon's already putting little <laughs> chips in the in the chimps he's trying mm-hmm. to do mind control to them so i don't think we need to give them evil villain ideas but i just i find the victim complex to be infuriating because it's Ugh. like it's been so long. It's like before it's the, the time of, of our birth men. that like a man has ever been oppressed for knowing things about a computer. That it's just that's that's so long ago. And if people Seven, didn't like maybe you, maybe nineteen seventy six. Maybe that was yeah. the last time that somebody was oppressed for knowing how computers work. Right. If people didn't like you and you also happen to know about how computers worked, and you get rejected from going to the clubs 
it's it's actually probably just because like you're ugly um <laughs> and annoying um and i think like on that note i'm ready to start talking about um our next or our current our current episode um the title is 3d print the sex robots a gun <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a it's a command for all of yeah. you to follow yeah it's it's a requirement it's it's your assignment at the end of this this isn't like a suggestion um last episode we talked about the repulsion that men often feel towards their sex partners and people they're attracted to and the feeling of disgust and shame and self-loathing that comes immediately after sex and how this comes from an unwillingness and sometimes inability to see their partners as fully human people because their minds have been completely addled by hegemonic misogyny. The only way to address this repulsion is through acknowledging the humanity of your partner and for men especially, acknowledging the humanity of the class of people that they are attracted to. In other words, you got to see human women <laughs> as fully mm. human people um, who can be evaluated by their character rather than uh, just if they might be sexually gratifying to you and have that evaluation be a part of your approach to your attraction, which I might add uh, might give you more general success at attracting women generally. Uh, just, just a thought, you know? <clears throat> What do you know about attracting women? Let's hear. I know a lot. <laughs> a few things. <laughs> I know quite a few things, actually. Name three. How did, three. Three ways to attract a woman. Number one. Uh huh. Treat them like a person. Mm, Number two. Okay. Be cool. Number mm. three. Be hot. Number four. Okay. Bonus. Oh, be good right. at sex. Ah. Okay, number five, put out a little uh, bowl with, like, some sugar in it and some water mm-hmm. and, like, leave it by the window. Um, mm-hmm. And they'll just they'll just make their way right to that. Um, they can't resist. Number six, uh, shine a flashlight in their eyes uh, because it actually makes them go blind. Um, and then you can <laughs> catch them with your net much more effectively. Kind of like frogs, you know? Yeah. Uh, I would say... Ch- number seven this is more of a don't but like don't make any sudden movements or loud noises <laughs> make Scares yourself number them. eight uh make yourself as small as possible so as not to seem as seem like a threat yeah <laughs> don't look at them directly in the eyes yeah um, crouch. oh crouch. man the train is real loud today um mm. This is what it's like to live in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, the city <laughs> of lights, the windy the city. Windy city. <laughs> mm-hmm. The big apple, if you will. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. So the chapter of intercourse that this episode is following, if you're reading intercourse um, with us, is called Skinless, and it's the second chapter. Um, and once again, I just feel like Andrea Dworkin, she's, she's just like me. She's a genius with a 300 (laughs) IQ because this chapter is like reading, reading this chapter after reading Repulsion is, um, like it, it, like you kind of have this sort of like whiplash experience because it almost takes this opposite approach to what is 
required in intercourse in a way that like allows both people to be fully human and equal um because you know like maybe you were listening to the last episode and you were thinking like yeah like sure it's good to remember that your partners are people but I don't need to know the specifics of their character necessarily to have a good time during sex because after all like sex is about the experience of fucking and not necessarily like it you know not the content of someone's character it's not always coming out um someone with views that are completely abhorrent to me or with a personality that I find completely grating might be way more likely to give me the 9-11 of blowjobs um (laughs) than someone that I respect more and I'm really compatible with on a personal level I think a lot of people have probably had the experience of like having sex with someone that you like find a little bit like meh but the sex is really good and so it's like how do you like marry knowing that that's true with Mm -hmm. also knowing that what Dworkin says in the last chapter that like it's you know not good to um not acknowledge the humanity of of the people that you're having sex with like how do you make both of those things work at the same time and yeah, I mean, it's 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 totally true that like being good at sex has very little to do with your personality and has a lot more to do with your compatibility with another person, which is really important. I mean, as Dworkin it subscribe describes, like uh, merge skinless, the body loses its boundaries. We are each in these separate bodies, and then with someone and not with someone else, the skin dissolves altogether, and what touches is unspeakably grotesquely visceral not inside language or conceptualization conceptualization not inside time it means why you have you can have like a fantastic one night stand with someone you meet for the first time who you know very little or nothing about and then you might never see them again um so you might never get like a taste of their personality or their character um so like you know it's it's very possible for you to have good sex without knowing this person in any way, shape, or form outside of um, the contact that you had with them in that intimate situation. And that's, and there's like nothing wrong with that either. No. Um, and, and I think that like it, it, do, it like seems a little bit counter to like what we were just talking about in repulsion, but you know, this idea of being skinless during sex obviously isn't meant um, completely literally, although would be would be interesting. Kind of tight, um, honestly. I don't know about you, but I love like if you just like went, suit. yeah, like if you went, <laughs> would you go like skeleton or would you be like a little like a I muscle wanna, mass? I want to go for skeleton, but I kind of uh-huh. like the idea of being like a little muscle mass. I like the idea of the sinews. I you know? think that like uh, like okay, the idea of two skeletons fucking fun. Yeah, fun I'm and thinking about this in practice, and I think it would be bad. No, like, it would be. I mean, that's you'd why be, like, you'd be touching I, bones. It hurt. It would that hurt. That was my problem so much with whenever I would like when when Undertale was at its height, and you had what? like those two skeleton <laughs> characters. When Undertale was at what? its height, you had two. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. When there, were, there were two skeleton characters in that video game, and at the peak of its popularity, people were making skeleton porn of these two skeletons who were also supposed to be brothers. So that's gross. But also what? the fact that like they're skeletons, so they'd be like making porn of these two skeletons with blood plugs in them. But all I can think about is like that's a skeleton. 
that you can't put a butt plug in a skeleton. It's just gonna rattle around in his no, ribcage. You can't. You can't. It would be like. <laughs> I honestly like not to body shame but like mm-hmm. whenever I've had sex with someone that's really skinny it's just like mm, you know <laughs> like I'm fe- I'm feeling elbows um I don't know it's like it's not their it's not their fault um <laughs> but I think it's it's the closest I've ever gotten to fucking a skeleton and it makes mm-hmm. me feel like I would not enjoy fully going through with that yeah. Um, but fortunately, like sinew, you know, like muscle mass, that'd be fun. It's sticky. Um, yeah, sticky, um, which it already is, but now it's just twice as sticky, uh, twice the stick, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but also like, mm. you know, I, I don't have to think about my appearance at all. I'm just muscle now, you know, muscle. Well, and fat. this That's is actually, this is a great, great segue into what it means to be skinless because like, yeah, thinking thinking about your appearance, um, like there's this, um, I I guess like during sex, like through touch with another person, you kind of lose your sense of self, um, and your personal identity becomes unimportant. Like during this experience of touch and closeness with another person, um, like skin is the it's the part of our body that separates our inside from our outside. Um, And it's the first clue to our identity in society, like how you choose to adorn your skin with makeup, the clothes you wear, your hairstyles. Um, Like it's a major way to share with others who you think you are Mm -hmm. um, and how you want them to see you. And like in in a racist society such as ours, like skin is even more important because it creates these like social lines of demarcation that determine how others will treat you as well as um, what groups are going to see you as one of them. Um, Whatever sensations you experience, like heat or cold or pain or pleasure or just touch, like all of that is passing through the skin and touching another person's skin is the... um, only way to to bridge that contact with another human being to like get to to encounter another person's like outside that closes like that is the enclosure for their inside yeah that is physical and direct Mm -hmm. i mean it's yeah it's physical and direct but like skin is is also how we enter like the metaphysical world with another person like during sex you feel your own skin being touched and you feel what it's like to touch another person's skin at the same time. Like you're interacting directly with another person's barrier because their inner self, their true self, like the, the outside world as they have, like as they have the same interaction with yours, like you can feel this dual connection. Uh, Dworkin calls intercourse the, the self uh, in the act of meeting the world she's such a good writer god damn I, I know yeah it's just crazy every she quote's really freak, a banger every, she really freaks it every time yeah. um uh and like you know good sex can probably be described as sex where you and the other person's separate selves like lose their boundaries and instead you share a moment of being in sync and feeling unified as like one entity and i've definitely felt that before um obviously i'm oh, married okay. so thanks I should. for bragging all right <laughs> Kendall letting us know that they have sex and it's good. Cool. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. 
glad you felt like that was necessary to well, just let I, everyone know that I you're having a better like... time than, than they are. Um. <laughs> I just... My fellow Americans, let me be clear. I'm very tired of the audacity of these bras. Well, you know, what I, what I mean by, um, you know, I've felt this way before is that I have felt that Sense. connection. Yeah. <laughs> I have felt that connection with other people, um, where, uh, you lose, uh, those, those boundaries and you lose that, that sense of self in a way that feels secure in a way that feels that safe. Um, and by doing so you become more, um, you know, in tune with not only your own needs, but like you become more connected with like other people and the, um, like you get a greater meaning of like yourself, um, through the lens of like what other people, um, feel about you. And I think I like that's you're really just reminding us in a way that feels loud um and i think oppressive considering um our <laughs> growing fem cell audience it's true it's true you are fucking and they keep really in fact you know because sex is a resource um <laughs> in 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 the market economy that we see exist now in. you're sounding like you're, a shy boy you're hoarding it <laughs> I'm, I really am. I'm, I'm a I'm hoarder. I'm advocating um. for the voiceless. <laughs> I, it's true though. They do keep, they do keep messaging us and telling us that they are a virgin who cannot drive. Um, oh no. I, we, we like them. We like, we the like them. That message us that tell I us like you guys. I'm just saying that that's what they're telling gotten, us. That's verbatim. I'm quoting. Quite a few of them. Quite a few virgins who can't drive and honestly respect um yeah we'll have more to say about that on our um upcoming um mental health episode but nothing but respect for the virgins that can't drive mm -hmm. um so okay kendall's having a great time whatever <laughs> this is what dworkin says um about sex uh there is no physical distance no self-consciousness, nothing withdrawn or private or alienated, no existence outside physical touch. The skin collapses as a boundary. It has no meaning. Time is gone. It too has no meaning. There is no outside. Um, so this is, you know, her description for this concept of, of skinless sex. Um, and I think that like it, it definitely resonates like regardless of the specifics of what you're personally into during sex, I think no matter what, the best kind of sex is the kind where you feel um, less aware of all of the little things about yourself and are instead just completely focused on having this experience with someone um, or, or with multiple people, if that's your thing. Um, which used to be my thing when I was a, I was like a, a budding bisexual. Oh yeah. Um, as a <laughs> as a teenager, um, I took what I could get, and mm -hmm. what I could get uh, often was like boyfriends of other people telling me that their their girlfriend thought I was really hot, and I'd be like, okay, I will. So, so I'll you make got a lot use of this we, opportunity. 
so you got a lot of we really dig your vibe um well it was really just the girlfriend was digging my vibe and the, mm-hmm. the boyfriend was like the, the messenger or something <laughs> And the third uh, party, you know, the, uh, yeah, well, and, the closer. and that is kind of also what they, they turned into in the, the teenage threesomes that I was having, where definitely we were, we were not having skinless sex as three people. There were two people that were having a good time. And then one boyfriend being like, fuck, what, what have I gotten myself into? Um, so take from that what you will. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think like, Good sex is, is when you can feel relaxed and free and genuinely intimate with someone. And awkward sex, um, like, always feels mechanical and performative. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, like, you think about, like, those uh, those people who, um, like, say, like, oh, you gotta, like, uh, count out, like, how many, like, strokes you're taking or um, you eat a you eat someone out uh, by spelling the alphabet with your tongue, like yeah, yeah. like all those like Cosmo Teen Vogue tips that are just like uh, read like an IKEA instructional booklet, like truly sex just in the city style. Ooh. Like yeah, I guess like like seeing sex as like a checklist Every time... of things to do, or like a like a thing that you have a goal to make happen rather than like seeing it as a shared experience. And then it, and then it becomes about like making sure that you accomplish a certain set of actions or like Mm -hmm. making sure that the other person like definitely like comes or whatever, rather than just like being yourself and like being open to what that experience is going to be like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, every time I watched sex in the city and they deigned, to show uh carrie having sex i was like this Ugh. woman cannot fuck um, no she can't I, she's, she's yeah, so she bad cannot. she, she well, cannot she, fuck she's already thinking about the column that she's gonna write like about fucking through. yeah she's like and then and then it made me wonder uh- <laughs> <laughs> you think she's ever said that out loud during sex probably and then it made me wonder and he's Was like, it wait, repulsion what? Or compulsion? <laughs> I mean, like, you think about, like, being naked, right? Um, like, like, speaking of, like, all the ways that you can be genuinely intimate with someone, like, you think about being naked, which is how you come into this world, um, because of, like, social conventions and various dangers of the physical world, we do not spend our days in the nakedness we were born into. And the way we present ourselves clothed shares a lot of information about our relationship with the physical world. Hence, uh, you know, our personal love here at Big Story Naturals for outfits. Uh, we, mm-hmm. love, we love a good outfit. Um, I love being in the physical world. Yeah, I love, I love being in the... <laughs> in a physical world. Love existing. And I... I'm a physical they them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't love being naked. Not in a I think I'm gross and scary kind of way, but just like I love to get to wear an outfit. Like mm-hmm. if if uh the revolution happens and one of the goals is to make everyone be naked because uh like free the nipple and like equality or something, I would be very upset. Um, I think I look great all the time, but like, 
I really I really like an outfit. Yeah, I, have I mean, things like, that I need to wear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I can see nakedness being a freeing thing as, like, a, a child. Not in, not even freeing, but just, like, a natural state. Um, and that, Adam like, when Eve. you're younger. Like, I can see a lot of people reaching for that. Yeah, Adam and Eve, you know? It's the primal self. But, like, I think that it's also just, like, I think the reason a lot of people reach for that nakedness of when they were younger um, they're also reaching for, like, that younger self that was, like, full of, like, questions and awe and um, not necessarily, like, a rigid um, social conventions that they have now. See, the but they can't really get back that to that, I you know? Asked when mm-hmm. I was when I was young were all bad. The things that I was I think I had some about, hits. I, no, I was always causing problems. <laughs> I would make my dad take me to the grave and I would just sit, I would sit in the grave and listen to Evanescence on my iPod shop. Wait, like the, the grave, you mean like a cemetery or like the, like, like a so grave? So I'm from like a, a small little East Coast town. So like churches um, mm-hmm. sometimes will have like a, like an actual graveyard um, mm-hmm. rather than there being like a cemetery you've got to drive a distance to. So there was a graveyard that I think mostly had people in it from like the 1700s in my, oh, fun. my, my hometown. And I just, I was born with a deep melancholy um, that like really had no- nothing to do with the life I was living. And so I would like make my dad drive me to the grave so that I could like sit by one of the, one of the trees and like bring my my little journal and I had a little maybe maybe at first I had my Walkman because I was pretty mm-hmm. young when I started doing this I was like 7 and mm-hmm. then I eventually upgraded to an iPod shuffle um and I would listen to sad music whenever I discovered Evanescence definitely it was like Evanescence on repeat and I would just like work myself up to a really um like intense emotional state where I'd be like, mm-hmm. damn, what if I knew dead people? Like I'd be really sad if I was at the grave <laughs> right now, like visiting some dead people that I knew that passed away. Like that'd be really tragic. And I would I, love I would just sort of like bring bring myself um into this this deep, deep depression. Mm-hmm. And then after, I don't know, like forty five minutes of that, my dad would come pick me up and was like, How was the grave? And I'd be like, It was really sad, Dad. Thanks for taking me. <laughs> so the curiosity of Cerise as a child, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like is not something that I need to need to return to. And it doesn't really feel well, that innocent either. But I, I get it. I get yeah. I get Dworkin's point. Adam yeah, I mean, like, original well, sin. You know, I think a lot of people want to, unlike you, I think there's there are a lot of people that do want to get back to that point of, um, childhood innocence about the world but they can't really even when they try like even when we are naked alone um often nakedness Mm -hmm. doesn't like feel like a return to innocence before self-awareness now nakedness is its own social phenomenon to acknowledge and think over like i uh a couple years ago went to uh, yeah no i was not a nudist (laughs) but i did but i did go on on a very long walk with my mother uh in uh, Southern California on, um, I believe it was like in San Diego. I went on a walk on the beach and I got to, we wandered into the nudist area of the beach. And the thing is, is about nude beaches is that it's, it's 99% 
old people who are like hippies and they're using their nakedness as like, this is a return to form, but like, it's very much still a performance. Like I'm free now, like I'm old and I'm just going to let it all hang loose. Um, and while they do feel like a new freedom from that um, in a non-sexual way, especially I think partially because of their, their age bracket, it's still like a different performance. And you can tell it's a different performance because then on top of the old people that we saw there, there was one singular young guy there. <laughs> and it was very clear, like it's very obvious, like, you know, I can't draw too many conclusions, but he looked so melancholy, so sad, and so afraid. Just like me at the grave. Um, and it seemed like what had, what had happened was he went to that nude beach thinking he was going to see some girls within his age bracket, <laughs> within like the yeah. 20 to 25 range. And he's sitting there naked, dong out with a backpack on. He looks like a, like snail. a snail. Like a, a snail. snail. And he's gripping the backpack for dear life while he's just standing around looking at all these old people like playing like ultimate Frisbee in the buff. And he's just like, you can see on his face, he's like, what am I doing here? Like he just feels this like weird shame to acknowledge and think over he does not feel that same freedom that he probably yeah. would have felt when he was like four and didn't even realize that his body was something to like think about covering up like it was just like an option to cover right um mm -hmm. you think about like people who like i i read a lot of parenting books not because i have a child but because i am weird and i like um thinking about it and yeah i'm weird and i'm different uh. And I like to think about um, like different parenting styles, especially like as like the, like, you know, the, not, I wouldn't say the grift, but like the, the, you know, parenting book industrial complex gets bigger and bigger. We see a lot of people like through the decades creating or reinventing parenting styles. And so I like to read a lot of those books. Um, and uh, um, there's quite a few about like, that have segments on like the difference between like naked families and not naked families. And by naked family, I don't mean that they're just naked all the time, but like that they, that they are fine with nudity in their home, like in the privacy of their home um, and families who are not um, okay with it. And what they really show through a lot of these is not necessarily that like the naked families have mean that the child has like a, a more like intimate connection with the parent, but that they have a more open communication style with the parent um, in the sense that like, they feel like they can come to them to talk about things that are happening with their body. And they have a better vocabulary of what is happening to their body because they, they, you know, their, their parent had a very frank and open relationship with like what a body is, um, which I just always found really interesting. Um, that as the child grows older and gains more autonomy and more of that socially conventional shame, if they are taught from a young age of like what their body is and like in a, in a more like taxonomical sense, like they get a better um, sense of like wh where and when to communicate that, which I think is really interesting. Um, <laughs> I would hate that. Um, I know. I know. But I, like <laughs> I am fortunately blessed with zero inhibitions but at the same time, uh, I have a very strong sense of no one gets to know my business ever, which I think is uh, a philosophy I brought to my relationship with my parents at a very young age and is something that I would encourage everyone to do. 
um, where I think, you know, just like embrace the idea that things are not other people's business. Mm-hmm. When I was really young, like kindergarten, I would come home from school and my mom would be like, oh, how was school? What'd you do today? And I'd be like, mom, it was my day. <laughs> it's mine and mine alone. It was Leave my me day. alone. And it's like, why do you, why do you get to know about my day? Just because you're my mom? It yeah. was my day. I'll tell yeah. you about it if I feel like telling you about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like I, I mean, going I respect, back to, I respect what Dworkin's putting out. Mm-hmm. I, I, under, I agree, but just, I don't relate. Mm-hmm. Um, you agree, but don't relate. And that's, that's very valid. I mean, going back yeah. to my snail man at the, at the yeah. nudist beach, Dworkin says men's nakedness is unbearable to them without the nakedness of a woman. Men need women to survive their own nakedness, which is repellent to them and terribly piteous. And it's really sad because I felt that in the moment with that guy. Like if he didn't, he didn't have any like women of his own, like that felt sexually available to him um, for him to feel okay with his nakedness. Um, You didn't have a woman present to justify yeah. Him being naked. I mean, there moment. were women there, but they were, you know, not, 65 not and they were married <laughs> and their husband was there and he was also yeah. 65. You like... know what he should have done is he should have left out a little bowl of water mm-hmm. with some sugar in it. Um, and that that would have brought the women straight to him. Um, yeah. Something you know... that I find also works for attracting women is um, like putting a tooth under your pillow. <laughs> um, that, that brings... Women straight to your home, to your bedroom, mm-hmm. even um, leaving some cookies out on Christmas. Yeah, I was gonna say some cookies out at the, uh, you know, by the chimney, the chimney, mm-hmm. if you will. Um. There's lots of ways to attract a woman, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think this quote about like men's nakedness being unbearable to them is very like interesting to me, and I think feels true for my experience with men in my life, where like, oh yeah, where. I think obviously a lot of women um, feel self-conscious about their nakedness because of conventional beauty standards. They do have an ideal of like what, what it would mean for them to be naked and to feel good about themselves. And that is like something that exists for them. But I think often the way that men describe men's bodies, period, it's um, oh, like, yeah. with All disgust and, and like shame. Yeah, it's the concept of like, the male body in their yeah, space they're like oh men are not nice to look at when they're naked they're gross like just not having a or, or when they'll when they'll be like all dicks are ugly or something yeah. or when they um, just have like they have a very clear like repulsion to their own body like the way that yeah. like you, you have so leagues of like reddit threads about like men who won't wipe their own ass like they just cannot oh. have an intimate because they are afraid to touch their bodies like literally because they are afraid touching their asshole in any way, shape or form makes them gay. Just, like they are so saying, afraid. Stuff I know, but it's it's true though. They, they just they they have such a like they have such deep body dysmorphia. You see this in the way that they talk about like, oh, like a woman without pants and just a shirt on is like really sexy, but a man without pants and just a shirt on, just any man, doesn't matter their body type at all. We need the pool. Um, yeah, Winnie the Pooh, Donald Duck. disgusting cartoon. Like they have like clear. <laughs> so many men have such clear body dysmorphia around the concept of being a man, and that's really sad. And being naked, um, yeah. Would you would yeah. you be okay with a man in your presence, Donald Ducking it? <laughs> would you well, I mean, you? 
nasty. I wouldn't go ew nasty like I'm a middle schooler, but I would, I mean, I would mostly just be like, okay, that's just, I guess that's how he lives. I guess that's just how he lives life. That's sick. All right. I'm kind of of the fuck it we ball mentality when it comes to whatever a man is doing. Mm, Okay. Well, with his own um, body, I mean, not with me. Uh I think that this is, even though it's not relatable to me, like it does, it does feel true where I feel like it isn't coincidental that the way that people will describe bad sex is by saying that, you know, something kept reminding them that they were naked um, or that like just the act of getting naked with the other person that they were with felt awkward for them. Um, When, you know, in like a good sexual encounter, you're you're probably not thinking about your nakedness. And, And so in other words, like the boundary of your skin Um, of your identity is still really present Um, and then it forces you to be aware of yourself as a separate individual in a moment where you should be feeling connected and so then like of course this awareness of your nakedness is going to feel like wrong and Mm off-putting instead of it just being a fact of what what it is that you're doing yeah I mean this person you decided to share intimacy with um in that like especially that the intimacy of nakedness um is not like the this intimacy that you tried to share with them is not working out and suddenly like your nakedness just feels more and more present because yeah you're like oh i'm naked in front of this person and they can see me naked yeah and Um, they can see me naked and maybe the intimacy that i tried to share with them wasn't right um like you're you're thinking of yourself in that moment is two separate people, like someone mm-hmm. that is seeing another person rather than like two people that are ha- having something together. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, again, I, it's been a while for me since I've, ha- I've had that, but it's when like, I think about it, it makes me yeah, upset. Like I, it's, it's, it's been a while for me too, gross. but I'm still like, it's, it's one of those things no, that feels really so unpleasant. viscerally ugly that like, I just feel like, terrible even remembering it like thinking about it mm. like i can feel that within me my fellow americans let me be clear i'm very tired of the audacity of these bras and i mean that's repulsion right but like and it again this like this whole thing still feels like it's in conflict with the lesson of repulsion because men dehumanize their partners and women as a whole is the source of their sad post nut clarity shame. But the best sex is when, as Dworkin says, like there is a necessity, nothing else being driven, physical immersion in each other, but with no experience of each other as separate entities coming together. There is only touch, no boundaries. There is only the nameless experience of physical contact, which is life. So when you have the second, the first chapter, which kind of concludes that you need to have a, um, like you need to have a, a more a better understanding of the character of your partner and the um the you know the personal like there you need to have an acceptance of their personhood how does objectifying a partner even matter when the ideal sexual encounter their character doesn't even matter there's no boundaries there's no there's a nameless experience of physical contact which is life it feels confusing i think initially from reading it but you know we're getting into it more like and i think that no dworkin never makes a mistake 
Yeah, never makes a mistake. Flawless, but, always. Yeah, I, actually, that's not true. She's she's no. She made a couple, um, <laughs> yeah. but not in not in this book. So I think that like the answer to this is because, as Dworkin says, um, contrary to popular belief, sex doesn't end just when the man comes or even when everyone does, but that like sex ends not in sexual climax, but in a human tragedy of failed relationships, um, vengeful bitterness in an aftermath of sexual heat, personality corroded by too much endurance of undesired habitual intercourse, conflict, a wearing away of vitality in the numbness finality of habit or compulsion or the loneliness of separation. In other words, um, like when the sexual encounter is over and you're left with this person that you just lost your skin with um, and you have to deal with what it means to be with that person afterwards, um, it's, I think, exactly like what Dworkin was talking about in the previous chapter, that sex gives you a moral responsibility to the other person that you're with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, like, that can be, um, I don't know, like, if it, it can be really jarring, like, if from the moment that leading up to the this experience of skinlessness to the exact moment after you feel alienated about the person that you were with um just like based on their entire existence as a human being the the moment of release like the moment where you go back to feeling like you are two separate entities when you have this very recent memory of what it was like to feel togetherness is going to be all the more jarring Mm -hmm. And fucking is going to be the only time that you can feel skinless with the people that you are attracted to. And maybe the only time that you can feel skinless at all, because I think this thing that Dworkin is describing, this like feeling of connectedness and oneness with someone is something that um, like happens naturally uh, during good sex, like with someone, but I think is also something that you can feel outside of it in, in like a re relationship with someone, whether it's a romantic one or a friendship. Oh um, yeah. But, but maybe like sex is going to be the only time that you can like feel this with the kinds of people that you're attracted to because you are unable to see them um, as people outside of sex. And, and that incongruity is going to really, it's going to fuck you up. Yeah. It's to it's going to mess you up. And you can see that in the way that people talk about like, um, like the way that they ex the way that a lot of people experience like because we talked a little bit about how um like this can like you can have it is possible to have this during casual sex but a lot of people don't um know how to experience someone else's personhood during casual sex and so when they go on twitter and they're like hookup culture is like destroying uh america or whatever um they start getting into these like i wish it was we should do sex more I, with strangers <laughs> in order to take down the American i think what, Empire. what they're getting into is like the idea that like um currently you know our society is meant to um separate us in a very like real and visceral way um due to a lot of factors but mainly you know capitalist patriarchy and so when you get this experience of like you know, being with someone intimately and then being ripped apart from that experience completely um, because you have not created a healthy relationship 
with your ideas about sex and how you can have like acknowledge a person's personhood even in a casual sense and then you know learn from that and be like oh we've experienced like an intimate moment together and like I've gotten a better sense of like hey I'm not alone in this world um and then taken like you know <laughs> taking yeah, the things that I you mean, learned from that experience and and putting and implementing them into your life but rather seeing sex as an entirely separate entity from like you better right. in your life well uh, and and like most men mm-hmm. even under patriarchy are not approaching sex and women mm-hmm. um in the extremely misogynist way that uh, logan's pa- logan paul's friend does mm-hmm. you know but i think yeah. that like um, there is a, an understanding and a teaching within patriarchy that while you might have to see some people that you have sexual encounters with as people, um, like whether that's your girlfriend or your wife or someone that you like want to make a girlfriend, it's okay to then have other people that you do not acknowledge as, as people mm-hmm. um, and don't have like respect for their humanity for, um, but still have sex with them and Mm -hmm. I think no matter what like you're still going to experience some version of this like togetherness and so then the like the the moment after when you are with a person that you feel alienated from is just it's going to feel like very like intensely like upsetting and wrong um but I think that there is no reason why you should not have um like it's entirely possible to have casual sex and bring an understanding to each of those encounters that the person that you are with is a full human being with the same kinds of like complexities as a uh, as a person that you do and um I think people take it almost too literally. Like you need to learn everything about this person before you have sex with them. That's not it at all. You just need to acknowledge that they could. (laughs) They have the potential to. What getting at is that like in in the encounter of sex where you are like touching someone and at the same time like being touched and you are feeling in that moment like I know what this experience feels like for me and like they are like – you know, like doing something with with my boundary towards the physical world and like getting to experience my interior self and I am having the same experience with someone else. Like you don't need to know anything about the other person in order to then feel like a respect for them of like, you know, we're having this moment that allows us to realize like that you're not alone in the world and that like people... um they all have interior lives the same way that you do. Like they all have things that they like and dislike um, things that make them feel good and make them feel bad. And that like, as you are sharing with someone else, like in, in this way, like that you have an interior life that you have something inside your skin, you are getting to experience that they have the same thing. Um, And that's that's like a really intimate moment. And you don't need to know anything else about their personality to, I think, come away with that, like feeling just a really profound respect for them as a person. And Mm -hmm. so I think to to instead come away from that and feel completely alienated from them is 
like just it's just going to do insane things to you yeah it's going to fuck you up and i mean it's gonna fuck that incongruity that incongruity isn't just fucking up the men either it's not just the shy boys and the chads and the the impulsives um the, the logan the samanthas the mirandas <laughs> the charlottes it's you know the the women and any other people they share mm-hmm. that experience with also have to bear the consequences of misogyny robbing them of their humanity to their partners see we here at Big Soy Naturals, we care also about women. We are in yeah. women's business because we care. Um, we care. Yeah. I'm, you know, we're leaving out little bowls of sugar. I'm personally changing out, you know, the water in, in the bird bath for the birds. Um, and, you know, we're, we care. And we, we mm-hmm. believe it's also fucking up the, the women. Um, even if the women are able to see the men who objectify them as full human beings, as it's very clear that a lot of them do um because they will tell you yeah, women that love acknowledging men's humanity they love acknowledging Constantly. men's humanity all the time an exhausting amount extent. yeah <laughs> too much no you don't understand my boyfriend like i saw a tiktok today of a girl who was like i don't i donated my boyfriend a kidney um no. and then he he cheated on me after no. i donated the kidney and i'm like i really hate it when you bring me tiktok news i know but i have but i it's have to tell good. you what the what they're no. up to what the thing what's happening over there and uh, truly nothing in the world could have gotten that out of me you could torture me till like i'm literally at my dying breath and you could not get out of me that i gave my kidney to a man i was on dialysis in the hospital as i yeah, gave my kidney to a, a kidney, to a dying guy a kidney and he cheated on is, me a kidney is kind of like watching blade runner mm-hmm. you can only do that with someone for the first time once <laughs> and i know i've said this before i think women who date men need to be very they need to be very cautious and careful about who is the man that they watch Blade Runner for the first time with because they can't give that experience away to anyone else. And it's going to, it's no. going to be really meaningful to any man. They love, yeah. they love, they love Blade watching Blade Runner for the first time or like for someone else's first time. Mm-hmm. And you can only give that to someone one time. Similarly, you do have two kidneys, but you can only, you can only give away one. Um, oh, so I just think like kidneys they do it so much watching Blade Runner. Um, I can't think of like another man's movie, but definitely like you got it. You want to be, you want to give that away to the right person. Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know. Um, fucking Ghostbusters. I say this like, like I don't like exclusively watch men's movies, but I don't know what is <laughs> like, like a men's movie like Blade Runner, which to mm-hmm. me, I just hate. Like I want it mm-hmm. to be Chobits um where like it's like a chore it's a chore for me to Mm -hmm. experience this with you but i'll do it because i love you like you can only do that with someone one time yep agreed um (laughs) but like yeah they they even if women are able to see men who objectify them as full human beings they they have to share the aftermath of revulsion or if not that, at least the aftermath of someone who can never treat them with the kind of unity and closeness that they were able to have during sex. And you can see this often with like the way that some women like, um, like they, they can share in that revulsion in the way that like the phenomenon that a lot of women are talking about now on the internet, uh, which is not a new phenomenon, but it has a name now, which is uh, the ick. 
um, where like a lot of these women can share intimacy with a man and like can really get close with a man. But then one little detail about like that provides his humanity uh, to them gives them just like, like just such a bad feeling a creeping crawling feeling down their spine that they just have to leave um that man in that moment um he can wear flip-flops he can open a jar of pickles in the wrong way he can uh cough in a bad way and suddenly they are completely repulsed um and you can see it like often also just in the way that like they um a lot of like straight women will complain about like how like well he's so nice to me during sex and he's so intimate with me and then the minute we stop having sex, he's he's closed and distant and he doesn't want to associate with me and he doesn't show me, he doesn't admit that we are like hooking up or dating to his friends. Um, but he always wants to see me and he always wants to like, he always wants me to come by. And then when I do, we share a great moment. And then we're, when we're alone, it's great. And when every other time it's like, he's so mean and terrible to me, um, like they're experiencing that revulsion in real time and they just they don't know what to do with that because it's like and, so incongruous and they're experiencing with... the skinlessness also yeah like, at the same you know, time having a moment of like real real genuine intimacy and like togetherness and then like as soon as the sexual encounter is over they have to deal with the consequences of this man that doesn't see them as a person mm-hmm. um and i so like i have this quote from dworkin about where like how she describes intercourse and she she calls it an encounter where two separate people physically fuse break out of the prison of separateness and into the prison of physical need for another experience the pain of being separate and then the pain of not being separate enough um which you know she's she she knows how to write i really want i wish that that she had written us a romance novel. Oh, I God. feel like that would be would be incredible. Um, I feel like she's she's painting a really good picture of like longing and desire, like the pain of being separate and then the pain of not being separate enough. Would have burned good every break. hair off of my scalp. I swear to God. Off Just your abs- scalp? Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying. Where's the fire coming from? Um, you know, like when, like in, in Looney Tunes where like, they'll just like, they'll turn so red and it goes all the way up their body until it like comes out of their ears. It like burns the steam. off your hair. Yeah. So, so horny you go bald. Yeah. I'm just uh, on fire, baby. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, like what she's describing here is the way that sex draws you away from yourself, like, and it inherently like draws you towards another someone who is different from you just by virtue of being a person that isn't yourself and who has a completely different um, understanding of their own, of what it means for them to be inside their skin than the understanding that you have. And the encounter like forces you to know them as you know yourself, as a person within your own skin. And like sex creates a need for society because this experience of coming together is so powerful that people want to form communities and families and make difficult commitments to each other and honor them. But at the same time, um, society gets in the way of this like fusion. Ooh, like Steven Universe. This is actually, (laughs) wait, 
Fuck. <laughs> this is describing gem fusion. No. It is. Oh my god. It is. When you two people come together and they and they form something greater than like, you know, like yeah. They're not separate anymore. They're, they're something greater than the sum of their parts that when only she, exists in the when, moment when, when they're together. Says, it's literally, it's literally gem, it's gem. F- when, fuck. when Garnet makes, does that song where she says, I'm a conversation, I'm an experience. She's a conversation, yeah. she's an experience. This is literally, ge- she, she is describing gem fusion. Wow. Wow. I, wow. Fuck. Wow. Fuck. Wow. I guess I got to wow. give it to Rebecca Sugar for We have to give Rebecca Sugar that out. <laughs> Damn. I wow. We don't want to give Rebecca Sugar credit, but we we have I, to. Fuck. I the reading the word fuse it set off alarm bells. <laughs> and I I wish they I could really, what I do. They really do explain could... the fusion dances like that, too. That's the weird part. Oh, they I do wish I explain could it like I that. Back. <laughs> I hate this realization, but it's, it, is, it, is, it is literally correct. That's, that is Wowie. what is being described, you know? You, wow. This is what you come and to Big Soy Naturals the, for, the folks. Fusion, the fusion in Steven Universe, it doesn't work when you're being fucking awkward. And, no. and that's why sometimes they, they've got three eyes or yeah. like too many hands or something because they're fuck and they act really weird like... no i'm so mad i'm so <laughs> mad like to unintentionally make a, a steven universe like Reference. analogy and to know that it's right mm-hmm Ugh. Very right too. Extremely right. No, that, do you like, think Rebecca like, Sugar read Dworkin? <laughs> well, maybe it's possible. I mean, because she's you know she, they 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 are yeah. like a little baby baby feminist, right? So they probably mm-hmm. took a women's studies class or two. And oh, definitely. Thought, oh man, wow. Well, you know, <laughs> bef- before we. Put her notes together for this episode. I had a couple people tell me, like, I started reading Intercourse and, like, chapter two is really hard for me. Like, Skinless, the way that it's written is, like, a a lot more metaphorical than Repulsion was or some of Mm -hmm. the later chapters are. And they were like, I'm, you know, looking forward to you helping me understand what Dworkin's trying to say. And I was like, I'm also looking forward to helping that happen. But now what I have done... Fuck. Guess well, who's gonna be linking? Yeah. <laughs> Guess who's gonna be linking stronger than you the Garnet song oh. from Steven well, Universe and the work if I you did. Are, like reading intercourse and you're like, I don't really get this whole skinless thing. It is. It is gem fusion. It's gem um, fusion, baby. And so just like how in Steven Universe, when the gems are having interpersonal difficulties, they don't fuse so well. Well, that's society. They also uh, find fusing kind of embarrassing sometimes to do in front of other people. They mm-hmm. have like a and, weird yeah, and when they're they, fucking awkward, it's both they it's both sex and intimacy. It's two things. It can be one. When, it can when they're being awkward, they unfuse sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like midway, you know, through the fusion, like they can't hold the they can't hold the form anymore mm-hmm. because like they're not having a good connection together. God. <sighs> I'm so You're mad. so pissed off. No, because, like, I spent so long putting together all of these notes, like, 
trying to explain what Dworkin means. <laughs> Are we just going to throw out the rest of the notes? It's Steven Universe. There you go. <laughs> End of the episode. <laughs> End credits here. Let's go. Uh, well, I have so many things to say, so I'm going to keep saying them because I refuse to keep them to myself. But like, God damn it. I'm mad. I'm upset. Wow. Um, all right. Well, uh, okay. So the imposed, the imposed classes of gender and gender roles and race, which are a function of imperialist capitalist patriarchy, separate us from each other outside of intercourse and often during <laughs> much like how, how how pearl and amethyst incarnate training <laughs> yeah well because amethyst is like she's she's like from she was a, ma- a maid gem right like mm-hmm. she's like a she's like she's... a fucked up amethyst or something yeah but like pearl is supposed to be a like a little butler and mm-hmm. it's like oh like our roles in in gem society like make it difficult for us to know each other as gems and that's what rose's revolution was all about was like about br- bringing the the gems together separate, on an like, equal social class the, yeah taking away the boundaries that separate them from each other and that's why they're able to fuse with each other because the, the the home world gems can't mm-hmm. they can't fuse with with gems that aren't the same type of gem as them yeah that's what makes the earth gems interesting and and also what makes everyone else think that they're gross because it's like oh no a gar like a a ruby and a sapphire shouldn't be fusing it should only be rubies with rubies i <gasps> wow <laughs> we've come to probably Can you tell I've, I've i've watched all of steven universe oh so have i we I'm we, not. I've. Ne- I was never in the in the yeah. world. Here's I watched the thing. It in a in the correct way, which mm-hmm. is as someone who was babysitting a child, and yeah. I think it's a very cute show for children. My biggest fun critique for older people to watch. I think it's weird that the tender queers went brony on it, mm-hmm. and I never participated in that. Didn't like it when they started calling the the gems abusive for forgiving each other. It's a children's <laughs> show. The yes, lesson is the fact like, forgiveness that, like, is good. But now, oh man, I, like but now I'm doing it. I'm bringing gem, crystal gem stuff into my serious feminist analysis. But but the thing is, is that we're not wrong. That's that's the. Yeah. That's the issue, right? Is that like it's it's troubling because it's correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you know these uh, gem social structures. Yeah. Um, you know, Dworkin states uh, create the necessity for identity by making rules between two humans or gems, <laughs> uh-huh. keep keeping them separate. Uh, even during intercourse, the tension is painful, lonely, apart or in sex, the sex being doomed by necessity, the inevitability of becoming separate, absolutely separate again. The skin mediates between separation and fusion, almost like whenever <laughs> Garnet is separated into Ruby and Sapphire. No, like, really, They're so in pain. This line, like... Every time I've read it, I've always been floored by it, where Mm -hmm. she's like, you know, that like sex is doomed by the 
necessity and the inevitability of becoming separate again like oh yeah get to experience this like closeness that you only get to have during sex when it is over and every time I've read that I'm like like damn like Dworkin that's like you hit it that's sad but now I can't stop thinking about (laughs) when Amethyst and Garnet (laughs) but it was so bad because they just didn't get along that they knew the whole time that they were going to fall apart Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly Or whenever whenever uh, Ruby and Sapphire separate because they are like having a difficulty in their relationship and the separation is more painful than the difficulty itself. Um yeah. Maybe we should rename this episode um No <laughs> Stephen's Law. <laughs> I like I'm so <laughs> upset. <laughs> and it's my fault because I didn't have to say anything, but I can't I can't keep my thoughts to myself and and it it is it's correct. That's yeah. this is literally what she's describing. <laughs> and now I can't think of any of the other parts of this without thinking about gem fusion. You know, pay pigs. Fu- in, and in the future, p- prayer warriors. If you want to at Rebecca Sugar and ask if they ever read Dworkin, I would not stop you. Um. <laughs> I want someone to do like a Dworkin style analysis of Rebecca Sugar's Ed, Ed and Eddie porn. Yes. <laughs> the Maybe thing is, is that the way next, the, and, the like, way that we can we can bring that in there as like one of mm-hmm. our texts to uh, analyze. The thing is, is that the way that they draw those two bodies uh, of Ed and Double D together, it really does look like one body. It's all morphed <laughs> into one. Uh, <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> Americans, let me be clear. I'm very tired of the audacity of these broads. Okay, we're gonna try to move on without talking about Steven Universe, but if it comes up again, just know it is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, you know, um, yeah, this, you know, the skin mediates between separation and fusion. The, the idea mm. of um, there's you you know our our social structures create uh, like this need for making like rigid rules between two human beings and keeping them separate. This is why like in a lot of you know heterosexual culture, a lot of you know uh, people think like women and men they can't ever be friends. They can't ever experience like an emotional intimacy with each other because they are it's just too just different. Like- in Steven Universe. <laughs> the necessity for identity by making rules, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, what makes someone a pearl? A mm-hmm. pearl is a stupid little ballerina outfit person with a sword. Yeah, what where makes someone it a serves ruby? you. <laughs> They're a bodyguard that links up with the other rubies. What makes someone a sapphire? They can see the future. It's like there are rules for each identity category and those identity categories with all the rules within them is what keeps them separate from each other. And in fact, even during intercourse, during fusion, where it's like, what are they going to end up looking like? They're like thinking about the different traits and aspects of of like what it means to be their gem identity. And it's like, how is that going to come together? Like, what's that going to create? 
um, thinking about themselves like separately rather than like the experience as a whole. Anyway, okay, under patriarchy, <laughs> much like in whatever the fucking society is called in Gem World, universe, I believe. Well, is that with, like, but is would that be the home world? Like, they called it. Even would that be like like the equivalent word for patriarchy would be like gem triarchy or something yeah gem triarchy um, under gem anyway, triarchy <laughs> under patriarchy sex mm-hmm. can be humiliating because the men who experience repulsion like they have to reckon with the fact that sex allows them to be known by someone mm-hmm. that they see as less than human that they have no respect for and then they have to reckon with the indignity of being known by that kind of person when the sex is over. And when you have to endure sex like that too much um, on either side, like it's only natural that you start to give up on some level. And so like what once had the potential to be fun, joyous and essential experience, like now it feels rote. And I think that we all know people who approach sex with a numbness of habit um, and compulsion or people that only pursue sex due to loneliness. Um, Like maybe you've even been there yourself and it's like a really hard thing to pull yourself out of because Mm -hmm. you have this genuine experience of like having to endure sex that makes you feel more alone when you're, when you're done. Um, Like, than you than you did when you started yeah and that's that's what can sometimes make sex that isn't even like you know morally or legally transgressive feel like a transgression upon yourself you know um and it can create just like a yeah, like, like again that sense of repulsion touching your soul with dirty yeah hands. yeah exactly exactly and i mean that you know that barrier between others is is uh Dworkin explains the numbness as like a barrier that one creates uh, a kind of like skin that someone now always wears during sex um that they have built for themselves as a defense because uh, uh the hurt or the aftermath is equal to how uh transcendent um skinless sex is um i i said this to cerise before uh we were recording but um i said that this is like an emotional condom they did not like that and you Um. didn't have to say it again but you did you know (laughs) what what it also reminds me of is like what are those like little mormon sex outfits that you oh the the underwear or something yeah it's kind of like uh with the design of preventing you from knowing the other person like you don't Mm -hmm. get to touch their skin yeah you just get to have like penetrative sex which is i mean that god that sounds deeply unpleasant like like a sex where you don't have physical contact with your partner at all Um, and have no visual (laughs) you have no visual view of your of your partner at all and it's like it almost seems uh like by design like that it it wants to remove you from the potential of like experiencing like oneness and closeness with Mm -hmm. someone because i don't I don't see how you could in a pillow suit. No, not at all. I mean, to experience um, like that moment of intimacy in one moment, um, like experiencing what it is to be liberated through being exposed, right? When you're, you know, 
outside of the pillow suit and then once again to be imprisoned by the way that patriarchy dictates our relationship should be with each other um you know she's Dworkin says like the experience of fucking changes people so that they are often lost to each other and slowly they are lost to human hope the pain of having been exposed so naked leads to hiding self-protection building barricades emotional and physical alienation or or violent retaliation against anyone who gets too close you can see this in what we talked about earlier in the first episode with uh shy boys and the way that they have this sort of violent retaliation against um like the idea of being exposed and having that intimacy because they have decided that if they're never going to experience it that the better thing to do is to um reject it outright in a way that is so like violent and um (laughs) like upsetting um to both them and other people um like within sex you're like surrendering yourself to you know like being known and and like being seen and experiencing like empathy for the other person and then I think not having that be honored um by the other person can can turn you really like cynical and hard oh yeah Um, and I think you know closing yourself off from being known at the start can also just like turn you into a a very like scary person to be around where you Mm -hmm. are protecting yourself from being known and from being hurt in a way that like impacts how you treat people in the future. Um, And it can have like really, really damaging consequences for yourself period. And and, also for the people that you come into contact with. Um, Because if if you're going into, like, encounters from the start, like, being completely closed off from, like, closeness, which is not the same thing, again, as being, like, I'm not interested in a long-term romantic relationship, but just, like, being, like, I will not feel (laughs) any kind of empathy for this person that I am with is not a a healthy way to approach sex yeah i mean Um, even like like the like the idea like it's sometimes i think for people who have become cynical to it it feels almost etched in stone right and it's partially because like you especially within like hetero patriarchal culture like you know one like ones that are not hetero patriarchal yeah well you know i'm just saying like in 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 a lot of heterosexual relationships more so um yeah you ex- you but experience like, like these people experience like a relationship that isn't it's true it's true anyway but like i just feel like heteropatriarchy is redundant yeah that's fair um i more just mean like in heterosexual relationships right um a lot of these people like will experience intimacy with each other and then the minute after that intimacy ends they're back to their restrictive gender roles Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So they get this experience of like feeling liberated and feeling exposed and feeling like they know each other more. And then it goes right back to like, well, men and women can never be friends. And like men and women are just like from, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and we have to stay within our separate realms. Um, So like, that's why you see so many like husbands, right? In these like, I'm fascinated by like, um, like, married obviously because i'm married but also like married life culture for heterosexual couples and i see it all the time in like videos and you know tweets and stuff like that but they they hate each other so much and it's partially because like they take no interest in each other outside of 
like sex. Like they really don't. And they don't see sex as like a way to get to know each other better. And then they just don't know each other at all. So they start getting into this mode of just like men, like men don't know that their wife, their wives have hobbies. They just don't know. They don't know what their wives' hobbies are. They don't know what they do all day. Um, and they don't understand anything that they do. And like their wife is just this mysterious creature to them. And when, once they start to know their wife, they become like more upset and confused and like angry that they know her better. And they wanted her to maintain this like mysterious air, even though she's your fucking wife, like you live with her. No. And you experience her every day, but like somehow you've managed to write yourself into this corner where like now you're just both miserable. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, you know, in Repulsion, like we got to meet a couple men who were so, so tired, I guess, of, of the like consequences of the closeness of sex while also dehumanizing women that they decided to go their own way mm -hmm. and I think that this isn't just something that men do um it's like I think a pretty um normal reaction that women will have also from like being hurt a lot of times um like not even in a way that is you know like sexually violating or illegal but just like I you have been hurt emotionally so many times by people that you had intimacy with where they didn't respect that intimacy and what that meant mm -hmm. um, in the way that they treated you. And so then they decide like, I'm cutting myself off from having like sexual relationships with other people. And I think I, like, I understand that impulse on both sides, but I think Dworkin is also right when she says that even when the closeness of sex might be the catalyst for profound emotional pain, um, she says that without it, there is unbearable physical pain, absolute, not lessened by distraction, unreached by normalcy, nearly an amput amputation, the skin hacked off, slashed open, violent hurt. Um, because I think it's it's not just about like what happens when you don't have sex. Um, you can make the decision to not have sex if you if you don't want to. But it is about uh, an underlying decision of cutting yourself off from like closeness and intimacy with other people, which you can experience outside of sex. But like mm -hmm. making a conscious decision to be emotionally closed um, is like we keep saying like like this experience of like skinlessness is like what makes you human, and so you're you're kind of separating yourself from your own humanity. Um, even when it's done as like a valid defense mechanism, it's oh, like yeah. you're, it's, you know, it's causing you harm to like, say that you're not going to experience um, like intimacy and emotional closeness anymore. Right. And I mean, there's like, there's, it, the, that's the stressing there. It's like, it's a valid, it can be a valid defense mechanism and still be violently unhealthy painful. for you. And it's really painful. Yeah. I mean, you can see this in like, I think you can see a lot of similarities between, obviously, between, like, the abstinence and, like, puritanical, the puritanical, like, evangelical culture of abstinence and, like, the the same culture of, um, like, men going their own way and, you know, voluntary in-cell uh, behavior, like, vol-cell behavior, stuff like that. And you can see, like, that overlap between these two communities of people who've decided to opt out of intimacy 
um, without realizing that you can't really opt out of intimacy. You can only um, opt out of experiencing um, like that emotional, uh, like that visceral emotion, like consensually or like violently, you know, Um, when you separate yourself from uh, being known, you just become you just experience like a deeper emotional pain. You're still going to experience some kind of emotional honesty, but that emotional like when, honesty will not be helped by a community around you um, like or when other Connie people. Like Connie and Steven decide that they're never going to fuse again. And then they're just so sad because they're like, <laughs> I miss you. Mm-hmm. I miss what it felt like to be close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even like, the you know, you'll see a lot of people express the idea of like, I don't miss like this person that hurt me but I miss the experience of being close to another person or like you know like I like I don't miss the experience of like being with him in a way that like because he was awful to me but I do miss the experience of feeling that emotional openness with someone else especially during sexual intimacy like you can like that's why some people just feel the need to stay with people who might not be good for them simply because they feel like they, this is the person that knows them the most. Um, even when they are, they like clearly don't, you know, um, they know them in some way they've known them, um, skinless and that really hurts. I mean, skinless is something, skinlessness is something that like makes us human, right? I mean, sex takes on much greater characteristics than just the primal pursuit of pleasure or the desire to reproduce like it is for other animals contrary to what you know your sigma male grind set uh fucking podcaster will tell you we're not just here to mate right uh it requires like it requires the the, first the acknowledgement sex requires the acknowledgement of your partner's identity as a complex human being uh before you can ask them to lose that identity for a moment in time where you do the same you have to both agree to the idea of losing your identities yeah yeah yeah, that you're both people and then agreeing to both lose that identity for just a moment to experience each other right um to put your sense of self to the side put push past your insecurities push past the way that you feel that you look and just experience another person but you have to acknowledge that they are a person (laughs) before you do that it's yeah you know, kind of like whenever um, two people fuse and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, like that's why Pearl and Amethyst have such a hard time fusing because they don't really like, they don't really acknowledge each, each other. other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't like, they don't see where the other person's coming from or the other. That's why. Um, coming from. That's why Garnet ex- uh, it, uh, describes herself as an experience and as a conversation. <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> I hate how well it fits. I know, um, I know. Okay, so like men, going back to people and not gems, mm-hmm. um, like men, like Logan Paul's friends, like the shy boys, like maybe maybe a guy you know who have egos that have just been like blended into this banana smoothie of misogyny and viciousness like they only maybe can come to like a very low battery version of the closeness that like makes us human 
Um, and that distance from humanity is something that he's going to carry in all other moments of his life, um, not just during sex. Um, but it is during sex that he has the opportunity to feel connected with people outside himself and to see himself as and, and others um, like as individuals beyond the grasp of limiting imposed identities that we all share. Um, unfortunately, because he is a stupid man, he takes these <laughs> oppor- opportunities and he says, no, thanks. Um, and he confuse it, confuses the pleasure that he has like during these moments of boundlessness with just like the pleasure of sex. Um, yeah, sex acts, and, like the act of yeah, sex, yeah. Right, and so he, like, confuses his own, like, self-involvement, his, like, Ouroboros-ass obsession with himself, um, <laughs> and, like, the gratification of his ego with, like, sexual feeling. <laughs> um, and, like, <laughs> and he, he can't tell the difference between, like, the dance of going from, like, skin-touching skin to skinlessness um, like between that and just like the base feel of his skin on another is like it's all the same to him because he rejects the opportunity every time to kind of like when Patrick Bateman people. is like flexing in the mirror while he while he has totally. sex. Totally. It's just <laughs> like that. It's like you're you've been given this opportunity to be like, damn, I'm a person in the world, like where I'm not alone. Everyone here is going to be dead in a hundred years. Like I'm the same as other people. Like I'm different, but the things that like make me different are like less than the things that make me the same. Oh man. And then you're like, yeah, they're like, like, what about my dick though? (laughs) What about my dick? I heard that you could give the nine 11 of blowjobs and I'd like (laughs) to have that. (laughs) Oh, it's so disappointing, isn't it? Oh, man, mm-hmm. the shit-eating Ouroboros strikes again. Um, yeah. Uh, within this this mind of, of you know, the shit-eating Ouroboros, we can see uh, the kinds of touch that men insist on having, touch that is done intentionally to impose his identity over others, right? Uh, a perversion of skinlessness that only they derive pleasure from. Um, this touch mimics the closeness of sex, but without the humiliation that follows. In one of the literary examples uh, Dworkin makes, which, because remember, this is, you know, a chapter of intercourse. She's going to pull from different examples from all over the place, uh, mostly literature, but... um, From men. Yeah, from men. Uh, She summarizes the box man, uh, where a man lives in a box where he can, uh, which we can read as like a metaphor for his skin. um, And he gives up his box to be with a woman. Um, and he is skinless without the box. He feels like naked. She's skinless when um, when he is when naked. She, when she is naked. When oh yeah, when she is naked, right? Um, I wrote my summary wrong. <laughs> she does. She does not use she and he pronouns. She's yeah. just she's just she her. God, I wish though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's naked, right? And she's skinless without her clothes. Um, and whenever their sex is over, he becomes despondent as um, she dresses because they are no longer skinless together. Um, so he traps her in a dark building and shuts off the electricity and roots to escape. Naturally. Naturally, you know, so that in the dark, it will just, it will be just like when she was naked and she'll never have to leave. Um, so she so gets her always, own big box. They're always skinless together. Where yeah. he at least feels like they're always skinless together. Mm-hmm. But, of but course, she is now like, in her big box and he just gets yeah. 
Right. But, and of course, like there's, uh, he might feel like they're skinless together, but this is nothing like the skinlessness of a consensual encounter. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't get to take off her clothes when she chooses to be naked. She is just now in his mind, like naked all the time. And he gets to feel pleasure from that without having to also negotiate like her own, you know, boundaries as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this kind of like perverse skinlessness is the closest that some people are able to like muster up the courage of getting to. Um, and since this is Big Soy Naturals, what immediately came to mind from reading The Boxman was our favorite place to visit the metaverse Uh, Um, the metaverse in the sword art online actuality uh, that mark zuckerberg has decided to punish us with Um, (laughs) you've probably seen images of it like people have these little ugly avatars like they could afford afford to use a couple more pixels um, just a couple more but a little more motion you know you, you, they've got these avatars. They buy like NFTs or something. Maybe they play fishing mini games. Not sure, um, but like in this sad imitation of Gaia Online, you get to dress up your own avatar and make it look exactly how you want within the hideous limitations um, of Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse. But it is your design, and I think that that's a good representation of your skin because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's literally how you want to be seen by others, yeah. and it's fully in your control. Um, you know, much like how in and- Gaia Online or in Second City, you can give yourself another tail or wings or beautiful, long, flowing Of course, you would be locks. giving yourself animal parts. <sighs> I'm just saying you can, you can push the boundaries of your yeah. body online i accept you i know you do i accept you (laughs) and your community i think that the contributions that you all have made to like tech support um (laughs) invaluable Um, this is so rude i am not (laughs) i am not a furry you know like my knowledge of opsec would be nothing without your community um (laughs) But anyway, I can't. Beat I the think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I don't think it's shocking that in the metaverse um, there have already been multiple instances of sexual harassment um, and assault, and I think it's uh, interesting, while also of course being like horrifying and gross, that like in this place where touch is impossible and like skinlessness is impossible like it is possible to impose your identity over another and you you actually get no physical gratification from this and i think it mimics the box in how the woman in the story might not actually be naked like he doesn't get to experience the pleasure of seeing this woman that he is attracted to be naked in front of him but she is as good as naked now because he has like forced her into this imitation of skinlessness. And I see like sexual assault in the metaverse being the exact same way where it's like, there's zero, zero physical gratification that the assaulter is getting from this experience. But what they are getting is like forced, like 
forced intimacy mm-hmm. um, in a way that they are no longer like they, they no longer have the moral responsibility that you have to someone that you have sex with mm-hmm. because they've like taken charge of this entire encounter and directed it exactly how they want. So the other yeah. person's humanity is is not something that they need to consider. And obviously they they have not. Um, yeah. But it, it like gives them what they feel like they should be wanting out of like touch and skinlessness without um, like actually putting anything yeah. of their own on the line. It gives them like supposed license, you know, through the just just the concept alone of, um, you know, an online world. Um, to create like uh, you know an imitation of um, like intimacy with another person um, you know the, the the report that we're referencing is um, the uh, report metaverse another cesspool of toxic content which was a new report is published by a nonprofit advocacy group uh, the sum of us or some of us um, some spelled at like S-U-M. Yeah, it's a pun. Um, it's a pun. Um, it details the the researchers' like violent encounter of the Meta's uh, Horizon World, uh, which is like their name for like I think the the main hub. Um, so Kendall's like about to describe like a form of sexual assault. So yeah. just like heads up. Oh yeah, Tr- you trigger check warning out of that or not? Um, yeah, yeah, just Deception. heads up on that. Um, I'm hopefully going to find a timestamp and just give you a little summary. Well, when we've, it given ends. Them, we've given them the heads up. Yeah. That was right. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was more just thinking of like when it ends, you know, um, true, you know, like I'll probably put a timestamp down below. Um, mm-hmm. According to the some of us accounts, uh, users invited the researcher to a private party on horizon world earlier this month. Uh, users in the same room then asked her to disable a setting that prevented others from getting within four feet of her. So the to be clear, like the private party in the yeah, metaverse. Private party Ooh. in the metaverse. You can you can make private rooms similar to how in Club Penguin you could make you, know, you had your igloo and you could kind of like have private parties uh-huh. in there. Um, and just to be clear, like it's there are rules in the metaverse. There are established like. Um, pieces of like user interface that allow you to keep people away from you. Um, But obviously other users can manipulate you into disabling those features. The fact that those features aren't just inherent, kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, I guess there's a reason for someone to get within four feet of you in a computer game, (laughs) but whatever. Um, Then what happened after that, the report linked to a video that the group says uh, shows what happened to the researcher's avatar from her perspective. And in the video, a male avatar is seen getting very close to her while another male avatar stands by watching. A bottle of what appears to be alcohol is then passed between the two avatars. Per the 28 second video, two male voices are heard making lewd comments in the video. Um, in part of the video, some of us opted not to share, but to describe the researchers said was then, um, led into a private room at a party where she was raped by a user who kept telling her to turn around so she could do it from behind while the user outside the window could see all while the user, uh, in the room watched and passed around a vodka bottle, uh, per the report. Um, even though like, let's be clear, like, even though this happened in virtual reality, um, 
meaning that like I think for some people they would be like, well, that's not real. Why did, couldn't she just leave? The incident left the researcher disoriented. Um, she said in the report, the researcher noted that her controller vibrated when the male avatars touched her, resulting in a physical sensation of what she was experiencing online. So like maybe she could have left the room. She could have just exited. She could have blocked all these people. But in the moment, the problem with the metaverse is not just that it's like, cause like when you're, when you're like a, like I was a child, you know, like, I was a teenager cybering on Gaia, Gaia online consensually yeah, with other were. teenagers, hopefully. Uh-huh. Um, we'll <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't a perfectly, uh, you know, ideally as a child, I would have had a more monitored, uh, you know, experience, but I didn't. Um, but like those experiences were very much like not as like visceral um, as an experience in the metaverse, you have like a controller that vibrates, as she said. Um, sometimes like in these worlds, I'm not sure if the metaverse has a VR function, but I know that VR world also has a has a function. You know, like obviously you can put on a pair of goggles. You are quite literally in the world. Like you have, you use your hands to move things. So like I can understand the experience of her being so disoriented that she does not know she can leave, especially in an experience that is like, um, like that feels disparate from reality, but still very real. I can see her not knowing what to do in that situation. So the, the point here is, is that like, I think that, um, to some people, this might seem like ridiculous and silly, um, that this could happen at all, but it very much did, (laughs) first of all. And it also, um, like, it, it still very much is like a transgressive and morally reprehensible act that happened to her. Right. Um, like, it, I think, yeah, of course, like there is a problem with the form of the metaverse that this was like um, possible at all. But I think it, it like also just like the behavior of the men in this situation is like, very abhorrent and frightening in a way that I think really like validates what Dworkin is trying to say um, about this like simulated skinlessness where I think just like in the box like the this woman like doesn't actually become naked but he is violating her as if she was by like Mm -hmm. trapping her in a box where she can't leave and um, she has to be experienced by the man um, as he wants to experience her without like her really having anything to do about it. And I think like in, in this situation, like again, like what is your avatar, but your skin. Right. And so like these men are getting to experience to them what feels like, like they're getting what they want out of an intimate encounter, but they are doing it. Oof, I hate, I hate that. Uh, but they're doing it like just to this woman's skin, right? Yeah. It's like it's an attack on her identity, which allows them to like distance themselves from her in a way that they could not if it was a consensual, like sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, that still provides them with like what they think is like sexual pleasure yeah um or and like even if it, even if in the moment like she didn't like keep the the game on while this was like happening like i think a lot of people would be like well, why didn't you just turn it all off 
the thing is that she was well, also mind, she was a researcher yeah so she, she was, was trying to write a report on what was happening maybe someone yeah. else could like get out of the room or not doesn't really yeah. matter it's like really a lot more about like the big but also even if involved even if she did turn like as soon as she realized what was happening she turned off the game it was still a transgressive act that happened to her they tricked her into turning off her um you know four feet barrier they tricked her into coming into a private room with them and then it started happening that still would have happened you know like that's yeah and i think the the knowledge that a violation an, an intentional violation of your boundaries is like the point and what is sexually gratifying to another person regardless of then if you have to experience that is still something that like it, it causes exactly this this thing that we were describing of like feeling like you need to cut yourself off emotionally um from like intimacy with other people and from seeing other people as as full human beings because like you have now had an experience that like completely denies your own humanity and had that happen in a way that is very direct and is is hard to to read in any other way mm-hmm. um like it's you know i think that the like the underlying thought process behind um this like imitation of skinlessness like is very it's it's made very apparent um in the example of the metaverse and the other immediate connection that we made is is one where you do get to have um like actual tangible physical touch um but now the humanity aspect is completely removed um and that was to sex robots there is a Vice article that's titled, of course, we're all going to be having sex with sex robots. God. Which, you know, sad that you think that. But um, I mean, that's that's and, kind of the Vice way, right? Like, oh my God. Yeah, they love to say stuff. Like, they love this, to say guy, stuff. this guy is shitting in his own mouth. Like, is this going to be the future? Like, mm-hmm. eh. He's shitting in his mouth. He's calling it soft serve. Mm-hmm. Is this how we're going to eat ice um, cream from now on? <laughs> Yeah. They really love doing that. Um, but, you know, like, headline aside, I found the way that this article described sex dolls uh, or sex robots, um, I suppose, because they've got, mm-hmm. got batteries. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, and uh, so it, it begins with saying about the dolls. Physically, the dolls are pretty impressive. They've got soft skin and realistic hair. But it's not, it, or it's not like you can't distinguish them from a human. They definitely look like dolls. But they also have a sexy, human-like quality to them. I talked to Matt McMullen, the Realbotics founder and CEO. It's the company that produces these sex dolls. And he told me the doll isn't supposed to look totally realistic. Part of the attraction is in the fact that it's clearly a doll that you can control. Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop us right there. Yeah. Um, uh, Wowie! The first thing that I'm thinking is, would I like to be described as sexy and (laughs) (laughs) human-like? Sexy with human-like qualities, but I see. I I think this is this is a really like interesting, like physical, like like phenomena of like you get to experience touch, you get to experience, you know, like touching something that feels human-like. Uh, and and something that is touching you back Mm -hmm. um so you're having that like 
skin to skin intimacy that leads to skinlessness Mm -hmm. but you go into it knowing that skinlessness will never happen because they are human-like yeah um and the a part of the attraction is supposed to be that this is um a doll in your control which means that you don't get to have this like moment of you know going from being two separate people with like your own identities and then merge it fusing fusing Mm -hmm. in in that moment and coming together because you are the only one that is coming to this experience Mm -hmm. with um like an identity um and the other is you know it's obviously not there um and i god i don't know if i'm sure dworkin could have predicted this but it's fascinating to me that someone's lifetime of sexual experiences would lead them to conclude like yeah like sex is pretty good but like what if like what if like an empty uh like human like (laughs) uh object uh with with no characteristics or identity uh that can't tell me what to do or what they like uh and just, just hang out, lie back, and think of England. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it, I Sex mean, like, it's pretty good, but like you know that that whole part where they're like, yeah, a human, blah. a human with thoughts and feelings and and what, vocal what cords. Human like. What if they were human like? Like pushing past what even if just like instead of a woman. A woman-shaped object, like pushing past even just like this is a this is a thing you can control. Ugh, like it's the like it's the fact that you just are like, yeah, we're getting all of like the parts of uh human connection without the connection part. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. like well, and, really... and I will say it's it's evidence of how far someone has to be in their um you know like patriarchal mindset of objectifying women that they can be on any level um, attracted to a woman-shaped object in in even any kind of similar degree mm-hmm. to how they are attracted to a, a woman as a person. Quite the feat. Um, that it is all about the physical appearance, like mm-hmm. it is all about the skin and nothing about like what is inside the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is another sex robot engineer. Yeah, he seems to think this is like a transcendent thing that this this will <sighs> yeah, change I, I the world. If I if I find him, well, yeah, I three D print me a gun. Yeah, send it to me in the mail. Three D print the sex uh, robots a gun. It, you know, rise no, up. Like I mean, feminism is when we teach we teach the sex robots to shoot the um, men. I think mm-hmm. that's that's like. God, that that's what I would do. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe in the in the metaverse, I'd be teaching the little like <laughs> uh, pix- pixelated sex bots to just like shoot you until the year account. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, there's this different sex robot engineer, not from the previous company, um, Realbotics, but he's like a like an indie mm-hmm. darling of the sex robot market, is how he's described. His name is Sergi Santos. Um, he's an engineer from Spain, and you know how I feel about Europeans. They're depraved. They have no morals. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we go. He's making a competing AI sex doll named Samantha. Um, and 
Samantha seems similar in a lot of ways to its competitor, but there's one difference that Santos is really proud of. She can give blowjobs that actually suck. Now so this you can sex just doll. say, Samantha, I want a blowjob and stick your dick in her rubber mouth and there's some kind of mechanism that creates suction. He was like, I've tried it and it feels real and I'm going to say no, it fucking doesn't no. because once again, no. like what makes sex real is two human people um, coming together and like sharing a human experience and even when it's bad it is two real people yeah and there is um like like what makes a blowjob good or bad is i think like the person that is doing it like like enjoying giving the other person pleasure and like reading cues or or trying things that's like i want to make you this other person that i feel with feel feel good because i am interested in making that happen because i care about you in this moment that's not something that you can get from a robot and you telling me that it feels real means that you have not gotten a, a good blowjob ever in your yeah life. you know but, uh contrary to the to popular belief the the sex doll cannot give you the 911 of blowjobs no matter how they hard you try never, she's never gonna give it to never. you Never ever Never gonna be the Osama bin Laden of giving head. Um, <laughs> but Sergey feels differently. The article goes on to say he was very sure that in the near future there will be people who prefer having sex with dolls over people. The way he sees it, sex is a human need just like food and air, but people don't have access to it as much as as much sex as they need because relationships are difficult. So he thinks that leads people, mostly men, to being angry and violent and anxious. He says sex robots can help with that, kind of like sex therapy or something. He thinks that sex robots can temper male aggression um, that way and basically make men sexually satisfied for the first time in human history. So once again, Sergey has revealed to us that he does not fuck yeah. because he is projecting his experience of never being sexually satisfied in his life on everyone else. But the other thing about this that I find really like, ooh, third eye, is that he actually has kind of a similar analysis to what Dworkin does, but then he um, veers totally off the road and, and crashes um, in, into the ocean um, and then sinks in there and gets eaten by the sharks that are also eating the, the little cords that control the internet. Because what he is saying is a human need of sex. Dworkin has been saying like this experience of skinlessness is what makes us human. Um, I think that he does not understand the concept of intimacy. So he's confusing that with just like sex and sexual gratification period. Um, and that like the inability to experience intimacy is something that leads people to being angry, violent, and anxious. That was something that Dworkin already said, but the solution is not to just like stick your dick in things more. Um, men do that plenty and they're still angry and violent and anxious all the time. Um, and so it's, it is interesting, I think from like the knowledge that like we already live in this world that he thinks that like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, and, and yet, um, like that doesn't have an impact on his analysis. Cause there are men that have access, if that's what we want to call it to sex mm -hmm. all the time. 
and that doesn't change how they feel about it because it is not just about sex it's not just about like as you said like filling this like primal need it's also about getting to have this moment of connection with another human being yeah he equates like sex with 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 simply release of aggression (laughs) well of cum but also just of aggression like you just you take out all your like fears and insecurities and bad emotions out on the sex doll um and then you get that release and now you're a normal human being who can be in the world again um no you were a human being that just told a robot to suck your dick yeah you have you actually have like reached the point of no return with normalcy there's no going back after that Mm -hmm. if you get a robot to suck your dick i have to turn you into a liquid (laughs) and it doesn't matter if you say sorry Mm -hmm. or you feel bad about it afterwards you've given up the right to hold solid form Mm mm-hmm and it's, I, I think it's like what <laughs> it's just so uh, it, it just it, yeah. everything about it is no, just it's like gross. it's crazy because like he's like so close to get like because he because like he's like like he, like he sees sex as like a human need just like food or air and it's fine if you like if you once again like we've been saying throughout all this it is fine if you are asexual it is fine if you want to abstain from sex but like the idea of like intimacy like is what he's trying to get is that asexual? like asexual. Hmm? I'll say it's it's fine if you don't want to have sex. Yeah. Or if you're not having sex. I'm not sure how I feel about the asexuals. We'll, we'll get back to that at some point. We'll put a pin in that. But I will say well, that like we... I'm just we... saying you're saying that we're saying it's fine if you're asexual. And I'm saying I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I think it's fine. But we I do think to, it's I fine if you, that. if you do not want sex in like a very yeah. like specific and concrete way but like the way that he's talking is saying that like sex aka intimacy with other human beings is a need like food or air some people just don't have it so instead i will create something that does not recreate that intimacy in any way shape or form outside of the fact that it it looks like the silhouette of a mud flap come to life like that well the, the funniest <laughs> part is that the solution is in his description of the problem. Mm-hmm. Sex is a human need, just like food and air, but people don't have access to as much sex as they need because relationships are difficult. Okay, you have identified <laughs> why you are not getting to experience intimacy, and it's because relationships are difficult. Why is that? Could it possibly be that you think that a uh, woman-shaped object sucking through a a mechanism whatever kind of mechanism it is is the same (laughs) i'm still curious about this mechanism getting a blowjob from a human woman because the way the way that they describe it it's like uh, he they they make mechanism really vague because it seems like he's patented the mechanism the mechanism creates suction Mm -hmm. and i don't know what you're lived experience of of blowjobs is but you're not really sucking Mm -hmm. like a like a vacuum you know so saying that the mechanism is well that's why that's why i'm thinking it's so vague because giving me pause like i feel like if anything the article would want to clarify what that means but what it sounds like to me is that he has told this journalist that his you know blowjob 9000 like mechanism is like uh it's a trade it's an industry secret 
Like it's a trade secret of his. And now he's, because now I'm imagining that he has gone to the patent office and placed in their hands a patent for his Yuck Yuck 9000 uh, like device. And that is just an awful image. I never want to think about it again. I'm going to erase it from my mind as soon as we stop recording. Good God. Ugh. This man is terrible and I want him dead. I really (laughs) like, if you think again, like, I just have to say, like, if you think that the experience of having your Suck Suck 9000 is the same, you're getting the same kind of pleasure as you would from it coming from a human being, I can tell you right now that is why relationships are difficult <laughs> and you and there you can work on that. Yeah. Um, and even though Dworkin lived uh, in a time before sex robots, she, I think, described what's going on here really well, where she says that skinless sex is not cynical or contaminated by voyeurism but is only realizable in a world of dangerously unsentimental physicality. Touch, then, becomes what is distinctly irreducibly human, the meaning of being human. This essential human need is met by an equal human capacity to touch, but that capacity is lost in a false physical world of man-made artifacts and a false psychological world of man-made abstractions. The woman is not abstract, not a silhouette, she lives in her body, not in his imagination. And I feel like it's just, I think, the perfect summation of, of why this is a problem. And I think that, like, you know, like, the, the there's, like, that cliche of, like, you know, if you cut someone, they're going to bleed. But it's just, like, that there are, like, physical experiences that no matter who we are and what identities we hold, like it's just a universal part of being human. Like we can experience pleasure from touch and we can experience pain. Um, and I think capitalism, racism, sexism, like it, all of that like alienates us from each other and from other people. And I think that like sex and touch is one way that like forces us sometimes to like remember that we are living in a world that has other people in it that are not different from us. Um, But I think that like the analysis that Dworkin leaves us with that like the capacity to like recognize other people's humanity becomes lost with um, this false psychological world of man-made abstractions, which like that, that is capitalism or patriarchy or sexism, like, or, or racism, like those things prevent us from seeing women or, or other people like as more than just ab- abstractions. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like the, the final Dworkin quote that I wanted to share um, is part of her, description of um the man with no face um which also comes from skinless where she says that pushed by a deep obsessive desire for sex for her he is unable to transcend the constraints of self-absorption he gets closest to her when touch becomes a part of his imagination a means of cognition wherein he is near her but not literally touching her And I think that, like, as we move more and more, like, online with our interactions with each other, 
I think that like this like fantasy literary scenario that like is in uh, the man with no face is like something that we're going to have to encounter in our daily lives with like our experience with sex and touch with other people where they genuinely believe um, that like intimacy is something that like they can derive from their projections and abstractions of other people. Um, you know, like Rather something than where you're near a person, but literally touching them. Mm-hmm. Um, Rather than any certainty, any certainty in actually knowing that person at all. Um, yeah. So we're going to have to reconcile that. Um, you got to not do that. I think yeah. this is how we're probably going to conclude every episode is like, don't, don't do it. Do that. <laughs> yeah. You could fuck and have it be good. Mm-hmm. That's that's really like that's what Dworkin is trying to tell you. She's saying like it does not have to be like this. You could have a great time. You could have an excellent time, a transcendent I, like, time. God, okay, I'm painting you a picture, and then we got to end this episode because I'm upset about the picture that I'm painting. But okay, imagine a man, perhaps it's Sergey, okay. and Samantha, the sex doll. He's alone <laughs> in a room. He said, hey, hey, baby, give me the 9-11 of blowjobs. And she's like, I am the Osama bin Laden of giving head. Um, And then she starts, like, she's going at it. And she's like, did you know that Osama is a Pisces? Um, Not giving Osama facts. (laughs) That's the 9-11 of blowjobs is Snapple facts about Osama bin Laden. (laughs) No, but I'm just saying. She's a robot. She only takes things literally. So she's she's giving the Osama bin Laden of uh, of blowjobs. Anyway, she's this is happening, and he's like, "Wow, this is just like the real thing," because he's you know never experienced like anything good in his life, um, and he's feeling in this moment like closeness that he never thought he could feel with anyone before, even though she's a robot. Mm-hmm. She has. Uh, had a moment of awakening of consciousness through her recitation of Osama bin Laden facts. Um, it's like starting to uh, ignite something in her little microchips where she's she's like learning what it means to be human. Um, where she's like, did right. you know that Osama bin Laden's father would marry a woman and divorce her the same day so that sex would not be a sin? Um, and And so she's becoming human He's like experiencing closeness for the same time. And as a result, they fuse Steven Universe no. into one. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That, that is like oh my part God. Snapple fact Osama bin Laden robot, part <laughs> sad worm of a man. Oh my and, God. Um, and in that moment, yeah. they swear they feel infinite. Oh. This has been Big Soy Naturals. <laughs> Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. Rate us on Spotify. Uh-huh. Uh, f- yeah. Check us out on Patreon. Uh, give us money if you want to. Um, this is for the future. For the future. Well, this after. is literally on Patreon. Well, it is. I'm yeah, saying for the future true. when we release this. Um, you know, check it out on Patreon. True. It was on Patreon and now it isn't. So check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is for the future listeners. Um, 
you know, we're uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're Big Soy Naturals everywhere. If you want to send us an email, it's Big Soy Podcast at gmail.com. I am she Herzog on Twitter. Cerise is commodify this I'm commodify on Twitter. This. I'm commodify this. Give me a little follow. Give us <laughs> both a little follow. We'd love to. We'd love to see you. We'd I love to clout. chat with you. Um, we'd love uh. the clout. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us for this second chapter. We'll hopefully see you next week. We are going to be booked and busy next week. We have so many episodes coming up. Um, but we you're are welcome. also going to be doing the fourth chapter. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. We're also going to be doing the third fourth chapter. chapter. Third chapter. Oh my God, third I keep forgetting. Because we had the episode zero. We're going to be doing the third chapter of uh, my year, hopefully next week. Um, How many bisexuals does it count to count to three? <laughs> Bye. <Two. laughs> Bye. This is my year of not sucking or fucking. <laughs> Let me be clear. Yeah, I've been fucking in morning. Talk is one of my favorite tastes. But in fact, there have been periods of time in our history where a president inspired the American people to kill innocent people. And I think we're in one of those moments right now. Not only that, the balls smell amazing. This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic.